Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today we are going to continue in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with 49 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. Mm -hmm. Welcome back, Peter. Thank you. And it's holiday time, huh? It is. Um, it's December, and uh, you mentioned before you came in that, uh, and I'm feeling it too, that, that there's kind of an intensity. It definitely does intensify things. And, uh, you know, lots of people in the community know it. They tell me. Uh, they said this is the time of year when you're going through hard times or dealing with difficulty. It gets more intense. And they are so correct. They're right. Um, but we, I, I felt that when I thought about this, the season and I thought about what we're doing, it was time to talk again about finding hope in the midst of all the adversity and difficulties and suffering and pain. Because this is time of year, <clears throat> excuse me, that I, I feel that it's, it's a gift to find hope in the midst of all of this. Um, and I don't know, it just struck me that it's very important because it's too easy to fall into the abyss of discouragement and despair and depression and hopelessness. Very easy to do it. But we got to find the antidote to all of that. And there really is an antidote. It doesn't mean, though, that people aren't going to still have to go through hard times. And I look at what we're doing here. And one of the things that's so important to me is being authentic and genuine and human and real. Uh, and uh, to me, that that's so important to do because it's, it's also the path to healing. It's a way of working things through that are really difficult. Um, but when we do that, when we say there's hope, we want to make sure that people know, hey, we're not talking from a place of sitting on some pulpit. We're sitting on a throne someplace. We too, especially me, but you too, are going through difficulties and suffering and pain. And... Uh, the truth of the matter is that's been, there's been plenty of that in my life. There's been a lot of all the work that I've done almost 50 years has been trauma recovery work. But even I've had my own personal issues that I've had to deal with in my life. And I'm in it, I'm in it again. In fact, this is probably the, the most difficult that I've ever faced before. And what astounds me is that I can come through it and deal with it after I go through the emotion of it, which of course I do. Um, there's something more. There seems to be a purpose that's coming out of it and a clarity of mind. It's already happening. I'm, I'm dealing with my wife who's very sick and she's dealing with end-of-life issues and we're helping her. Um, but look at all the other people that are coming through our lives that are also dealing with it. I went to the hardware store yesterday and a man that I know, very nice guy, um, I think he said this, I hope I heard this, I'm not sure, but I think he said he had lost eight friends and family in three days recently and he said you know it's just that time of year he says it's our it's where we are in our age and, uh very sweet and uh is a nice man i know him uh, he works there he always helps me with things he's good mm -hmm. it's harold he's a good guy peeny ace hardware Petaluma. yeah and 
Harold lost 30 pounds, and he looks great. Oh, so, and he's, he's, he's a good man. But, you know, I'm, I'm listening to these things, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, what's really important is for us to be human beings, and we do share the same experiences. The purpose, of, I'd say one of the strengths that comes all out of it is a deeper sense of empathy, not just compassion and feeling sorry for other people who are going through hard times, but empathy is identifying and knowing what it is that they're talking about because you've got, you've been there too and you've been through it, and you just can't throw clinical labels at them and, and cliches and hide in your silo of professionalism and uh, your professional role. I really don't believe in that. Um, and I've been doing this a long time, almost 50 years. It'll be 50 years in September. But what I really find is that's a that's a, a defense that isn't always so good because it really cuts us off from our fellow. It can, over a period of time, without even realizing it cuts us off and removes us from our fellow man and from our own humanity. I don't think a lot of professionals realize it's happening. I sure didn't. Um, but I know a lot of them don't. So uh, through all these difficulties, I think one of the, the most important things to me is to be just as human as my fellow man. And if I'm going through rough times, I know I'm not the only one. And they're not the only one either And, and that I do understand. So here I am. We're going to come through. We're going to do this show. And it's we're going to offer a gift, a holiday gift. And it's the gift of understanding more about hope. And even in the midst of suffering and struggle and adversity. So that's kind of the theme um, today. And a little different way that we're going to do this is actually, uh, I'm doing the talking, but guess what? I'm not the host. Jenny is. Yes, I was going to kind of uh, give a picture of what we're going to do with these next... Well, go for it. These next, uh, probably, we're thinking maybe the next three of our podcasts mm -hmm. is that uh, Peter is going to change hats and at the Institute we all wear a variety of hats we all do different things and instead and of my horses I wear a cowboy hat. cowboy hat you can wear as a guest you can wear any hat you want mm -hmm. but it isn't going to be a co-host hat it will be a special guest hat mm -hmm. and uh, as Peter said our theme is hope understanding hope and uh, particularly hope during difficult times yep. What does that look like? Yeah, uh, how can we find it? Uh, in what Peter has said just in the beginning of this, this episode, he's hit. Uh, uh, and if he went through it fast and you went, wait a minute, I, I don't know how to do any of that. I don't even know if I can remember everything he said. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. That is a, Peter took a, a, a moment to really cover what we're going to cover in much more depth yes. in the next, uh, next probably three episodes. Mm -hmm. so, so we will get to practical, clear, simple, human, authentic communication sharing about what we're talking about. Yeah. You will come out of this, as Peter said, with a gift. I hope so. And one that we want to give to you. Yep. And we also need it ourselves. I was going to say, I could use the gift myself. <laughs> when we I give, get it, it's we just, get it too. It's very fleeting when you're dealing with difficult times. But it's only, you know, I look at it as being a, a, a montage or a, a, a like a, what was I thinking about? It was. It's almost like it's a part of life. It's not the total of life. But when we're in oh, the, a tapestry. A, ca a tapestry. You were using that word today. That's right. And you know, that's what I see this as part of, a tapestry of life. When we're in it, 
we are there. We have to take it one day at a time. We have difficult things to deal with. That's what we're supposed to do. I mean, hey, that's life. You're dealing with loved ones that are suffering or struggling, or you are. That's what you have to do. I mean, you got to deal with it. But you can lose your perspective on the big picture. And sometimes, sometimes we need other people, supportive people around us who can remind us of the bigger picture, that there is hope and that there's more happening than just the most immediate demands of the situation. I think that's really important. That's an important part. That's another thing we're going to be going into mm, yeah. during this time. Yeah. So I know that you uh, also had something that you wanted to read to kind of kick off our my interview of you today. Okay. And so I want to give you a chance to, to read that for us. Well, let me just read a little... I'm not sure if I got this off of Facebook or what, but... Uh, I love it. And so I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to read some some beginning paragraphs about hope that I wrote. And I'll go over those, but then we're going to just talk about it. Yeah, I'm going to follow up. After you've read, I have a question. Okay. So anyway, let me just read this and see. It says, For every loss, there is a victory. For every sadness, there is joy. And when you think you've lost everything, there is hope. Wherever there is hope, Miracles do happen. Amen. And I think that's a great place to start because I do believe it's true and I need to be reminding myself. But let me read you some of the things that I've written about it. and uh, I'm just going to go through them quick, not too quickly, because, but Jenny wants to uh, talk about them more. I, I said, um, hope is directed toward a future goodness that transcends the current ability to understand what it is. It's our best defense against despair and discouragement, even when they seem to be the most human emotions and emotional responses to very difficult life situations. I'm going through that myself. Maintaining hope when confronted with overwhelming circumstances enables us to continue our best, most resilient efforts in spite of ourselves. And I will attest to that. It's a strength that comes to me. I'm a spiritual man, and I believe I'm far beyond my own limits, and yet I'm able to wear a lot of different hats. We have a lot of a lot of ambled, a lot of uh, things going on that are very promising and very good. But I do believe that it's in spite of ourselves that we can do this. And hope provides the energy and the motivation to overcome adversity. It's the truth. And hope enables us. It enables it a forward-looking, this is the truth, a forward-looking attitude. No matter how devastating or overwhelming our current situation is, there is going to be a better future, and it can be imagined. And then I wrote, I've written many things, everybody, but I'm going to do a few <laughs> things. Hope gives meaning and purpose and some sense of order amid what otherwise feels like senseless suffering. Anyway, I got plenty more, but I think that'll be it for this for right now because Jenny's got some questions, right? I do. I, I do. Wanna, I want to hear what she has to. So I uh, would like to take a moment. Um, I'm just I'm just thinking that we need to come to a break here pretty soon, and mm -hmm. maybe this is the best time to take it so that we're not interrupting the question. So um, let's do the break now and save some time for the sure. next segment. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We will be back after a short break.
Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. And we are starting, Peter and I, although Peter is, has taken off his co-host hat and he's going to be a guest, we're starting a series on hope. What is it, understanding it, how do we cultivate it in ourselves and others? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we use it in our lives to move forward? And um, how do we nurture it in in all in in all of what happens in life in hardship and as well as good times and uh, i'm not going to review everything peter mentioned he kind of hit the highlights in our first uh segment of what to look forward to in these next possibly three episodes uh things that are key principles key ideas key aspects of hope that we're going to hopefully really go into and make accessible and helpful for anyone listening. And I'm going to start off with a question. Mm-hmm. Oh. I get to be the interviewer here. Go for it. Let's see. So I'm going to take you back. Okay. It's probably about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, a sweet older lady named Lucy came up to you and she said, You've got to have hope. Don't lose sight oh, of hope. Lucy. And I'm going to let you take it from there. Oh, yeah. Share where you were, what was going on in your life, because I just want, let me add one thing, and that is that people who have listened to the podcast, and I agree completely, appreciate your candor and your authenticity, mm-hmm. and your willingness to let people hear and see your struggles. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to that moment so that you can kind of give a picture of where you were then and what you were facing. Mm-hmm. Lucy was a sweet, is a sweet lady um, who I, I met at the Alzheimer's Association, the Caregiver Support Group. Uh, I don't go to it anymore, but I did, uh, I did for a while. And I also had seen her at uh, another support group for caregivers on alternate weeks, and that was Redwood Caregivers Resource Center. And Lucy was a participant in both. Really a fine lady um, who had been a caregiver to her husband who had very serious Alzheimer's and dementia, um, who was also not like my wife, Lynn, who's very sweet and kind and appreciative. But Lucy's husband, if I remember, was pretty rough on her. But she it's funny, she was a meek, sweet, quiet lady who had a certain inner strength. And uh, she had to deal with a husband that was violent to her at times. Uh, I know many of us at times felt that her life was in, it was threatened. Um, and yet we'd say maybe it's time to that he goes into a facility and she wanted to keep him home. She wanted to do the caregiving herself. It got really rugged. I mean, he was rough on her. And yet she just didn't let it throw... Well, she didn't like it, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's not like she didn't understand what was going on. It was just something she felt she could cope with. And uh, eventually he did die. Um, he did pass away. And I was there in that time frame when she came back and she was grieving um but she had been grieving just like i do for quite a while years Uh, they call it uh, uh, 
anticipatory anticipatory or grief and ambivalent ambivalent loss yeah ambiguous yeah. loss ambiguous loss yeah yeah which means you know you're grieving but the person in some way is still alive but yet you've lost them to the disease and mm -hmm. uh, she was she's she felt that she had been for years taking care of him and losing him mm -hmm. um, when he died she was still I, she was grieving but she also had a perspective on it and that um, she knew it was the time for him to go and for her to let go. Um, were you there at that time? Mm -hmm. Is that where you were at that time? Where were you? Where at the I? time she came up and said that to you, where uh, were you? Well, you know, I'm trying to remember, but I think I was really hurting and grieving what was happening to Lynn. And uh, my grief was very active. Uh, it, I was f quite functional and working, whatever, but really hurting. Um, and I think after one of those care group support things that was going on, Lucy came up to me afterwards, and she liked me. I liked her, too. And she said something to the effect of, it's always it's so important to make sure there is always hope and there will be a better day. Well, the words, you know, you've heard, you can, you've heard words like that before. It's the timing. It's the sensitivity. It's the empathy that really penetrates. Well, her timing was right on, and it really penetrated to what I needed to hear and be reminded of. And uh, I know, well, I can't say I never forgot it because you remembered it and I forgot it. But Lucy is a f lovely, good woman, and very sensitive, very caring. Um, she went on interestingly. Her, she developed a sense of purpose after her husband died to help other people with caregiving. And remarkable. I've asked her to be on the show. I haven't seen her. And she was willing, but she just felt that now she could go on to come alongside other people who were going through similar circumstances. And she really wanted to help them. Not as a professional clinician, as a person who understood, who'd been through a lot. Um, I thought it was just a wonderful idea for her. And she was very, very heartfelt about it, too. So that's what I kind of remember. Is that what you're referring to? Right? It is. And another uh, thing that I remember about that time is that it was not, that happened not very long after uh, Lynn went through a significant downturn in her dementia. And you were faced with a real change in her and in your life with her and your response uh, at first uh, among others was to gather information get some help and gather information and that was part of your uh, why you joined the support groups yeah, for information and for the company for for some understanding and and but I also remember that time when you came home and told us about Lucy and what she said and you had and you said as you said this time, that she was sweet with a great deal of empathy and she knew what she was talking yes. about because of what had happened to her. Mm -hmm. But that at that time you could not get hold of it. It was not something you could just grasp and it wasn't her fault, was no one's a, fault. Was that a couple of years ago? I think it was about almost a year and a half ago. Yeah. It was within a couple of months of the time that Lynn really took that downturn. I was going to say it's been quite a roller coaster for a number of years. But there were these significant downturns. Are, they don't shock me anymore because we've had so many since. 
but I think at that time it was a big one. Um, I can't remember that there's been so many Yeah. that I can't remember really, but it, you're right. It was something that just jolted me. I I think that it was, I hadn't quite accepted what the situation really was yet. And I think I was still holding out a little hope that because she'd have good lucid times and I kind of would say, well, maybe she's going to get better. Um, maybe this is just things will, th that this will last a longer, longer. Well, I was still in that mindset. I'm certainly not there anymore. And I wasn't, <laughs> after that, I don't think I was anymore either because I had to come to accept what was happening. And uh, I remember that. And I remember how sad I was, but it was just a fact of life that she wasn't going to get better. Um, and those lucid moments weren't going to last. And I couldn't draw upon them with the hope that, oh, she's going to get better and this is just going to continue. That was not hope. That was fantasy without accepting the reality yet. So I don't think that was helpful at all. And I know a lot of people who are caregivers for people going through my Lynn's got cardiovascular, cardiovascular dementia. Um, and she's had numbers of strokes. But you know what? It happens to lots of folks that are dealing with Alzheimer's, dementia, strokes, you know, the folks that are taking care of them. It takes time to accept that this is a terminal disease. And it's quite a roller coaster. It's not like a short-term hit. These ups and downs go on can go on for a number of years. I think Lynn's overall uh, time frame in this, I think we've been taking care of her almost eight years. I may be wrong about that, but not f when we think back on I it. Think I think we didn't recognize it at first. No. But looking back, see that some of the things that were eight happening years. could were signs that we didn't see. About eight years. About um, some vision uh, and some uh, other effects. Two thousand eleven, two thousand ten. Yeah. I don't know, right in there. But um, it's been going on a while. But you're right. We didn't really know yet. And mm -hmm. you know what? When we'd have her tested, it didn't show up on the CAT scans yet. Mm -hmm. until she finally had a stroke on her horse that she was warming up for me. And that showed, all of them showed up on the CAT scan on that one. Mm -hmm. So I knew that all of the others were strokes as well. Mm -hmm. They were called TIAs because mm -hmm. she would recover from those. But yeah. after that, she didn't anymore. So you're right. Now that now I'm, I'm kind of getting my perspective on the whole, more of the whole entire situation. You're right. And it's been stages of acceptance. Stages of acceptance. There's a couple other things that you've said about what can happen uh, when you head almost right into hardship or something happens that is, is very difficult. You said a couple of things that can happen uh, are that people can revert to not their best selves. Uh, another thing that can happen is, uh, and I think you mentioned this in our first section, is, is that... Um, can tumble, tumble into a pit of depression. So when we're hit with adversity, something hard coming into our life, and we lose track of hope, these things can, right. the, the, we're not our best selves, or we can just be, go into the pit. Well, I think that's a reality for every human being facing this to a point. Um, but the truth of the matter is, I don't want to make my pontificate here on, as someone who has been through it and come through the other side, and I'm so much more superior, because that's not what this is about. And I sure don't feel that way, but I do feel more accepting. 
and I, you know, I have to say, I do have hope because, and I see a purpose, purpose growing out of this, which I've always faced hardship in my life, and I've always been able to find purpose in it and meaning. Um, so this is no, this this isn't any different, but. Uh, mm. So so, so we, maybe for you there have been moments when. And and for people listening, mm -hmm. uh, who are hit by something, and they they don't want to go into that pit, or they don't want to have their ugly uh, evil twin inside come out and take take uh, take charge. But, but it's human, right? That's right. And I was going to say, I of course that happens to me. I'm human too, so it can happen. The key really is to to understand that that's the emotionality of why me and it's a time of self-pity it's a time of feeling so broken and defeated and discouraged it's a deep pit of despair and it really is I've been helping people for so long and you know the truth of the matter is that's not a good place to stay when you see yourself to go there and you got to do some self-correcting as quickly as possible but does that mean you're not going to that you're well then you're not going to go through the emotion of it? Heck no. Uh, you are going to go through the emotion of it. It's just not giving it such cre credence and credibility, um, and let that take over because when that happens, it, you just it just is a bottomless pit, and you, that you can't afford. That's that's dangerous. That's oh. that's that's the real dangers. I agree completely. I want to go back for a moment. What do you, when you say not to give the emotion credibility, what do you mean by well, that? Well, we're all going to go through emotions. Uh, emotions aren't our normal feeling state. A normal feeling state is something that we're all born with, our nervous system has. It gives us ways to read situations in our life. It goes along with our intellect. That's normal um, feeling state. A lot of people talk about emotion and feeling state inter 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 interchangeably. It's not true. And we certainly don't. And over the 50 years that I've been doing this work, I don't. Uh, emotions do f overtake us when we have traumatic situations or difficult situations. That's very human. But to make it, to allow our emotions to dictate our actions, how we see the world, how we see situations, is almost a guaranteed mistake that you're going to be misled every time if your emotion is well you feel some moments of helplessness and hopelessness and despair and you really believe there is no hope for anything your emotions are beginning to run the show and that's not a good thing to do um, I know it's not and yet I do acknowledge emotion I know how to deal with it I help people it affects our bodies our nervous systems um, there's no question about it we're used to it but to allow that to say follow your feelings that is not the same thing as following your emotions and it's telling you there's disasters in life and everything's bad and scary that's where you're going way off to let, allow emotion to make us feel everything is hopeless despairing bitterly awful you're going down the wrong road so if we go through our emotions it's okay to get them out. In fact, I think it's very, very important to not to run away from them. But you can't let them take over. You can't let them begin to dictate your whole outlook and perspective on life because they're not going to give you an accurate reading. And there is going to be a better day, but your emotions aren't going to tell you that. They won't tell you that. No. No, not So not I'm not just, I'm I don't want people to think I'm telling them, well, you don't feel emotion because I do. 
and I go through moments some I go through plenty of moments of grief about my wife and how sad I am about it and it's plenty emotional but at the same time when I see myself sinking into a, a, a hopelessness a despair a fearfulness that takes me over I realize uh-uh you can't afford to go there it also will trigger off old emotions from traumas in the past and that always distorts the present so I, I recognize I'm very mindful of who I am, what my life's been like, uh, what my normal emotional wounds are and scars. And so I know when that happens, I know where it's coming from and I also know how to self-correct. So that's what I want to encourage people to learn about yourselves. It's really important because you are gonna have this happen but you want your perspective. When those emotions are running hot and high, you wanna know, don't let them take you over completely in everything because you'll find that they're going to misguide you. You're going to go the wrong direction. That's, that's really important to remember. It really is, yeah. You've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break.
We wish you could spend more. I don't ask them. They're just that way, and it touches me. I find it a little, forgive me, a little embarrassing because now I am the one that has to get help and receive help. I don't claim that that's easy, and yet there's a part of me that accepts, hey, this is reality, and these people feel good to take part in this. They love Lynn. They love me, and they want to take part in helping. This is their way of reaching, and uh, so kind. So Mr. Strongman needs to also be open now to receiving support and help, too. And it's a good cause, believe me, because we're doing everything we can to make Lynn comfortable, make her feel loved and cared for, and any way she needs. And I think that it's going as well as it possibly could. According to hospice, they've never seen a team of caregivers as place work the way we do. And we know about it because we've helped other people with caregiving um, find good caregivers and how that should work. So it's not like we don't know what we're doing, but this is more personal. So to me, I know that it's time for me to, to grow up, to accept some help and be okay with it. So there are certain things that I'm learning along the way. Um, and I probably will never be the same again. It's a life changer for the better. Although losing Lynn is not the better to me. But as far as the kind of person that will come out of it for me, I'll be better. I'll have a deeper sense of my own humanness, my own vulnerability, my own connection with, with my fellow man. I love that. It's a whole lot better than being a psychologist sitting in my silo of PhD and psychotherapy and that relationship, which can be very artificial and overwhelming. And I don't like it. And I really don't want to do that with people. And I don't want them to do it with me if I can help it. So... Um, I like this better. Let, let me take you back again just for a moment to a couple of things you said, which is that um, that one of the things that you do, if you can't change the circumstances for Lynn, what you do is learn how to help her in ways that you can. What can you do in terms of, you talked about, um, you reevaluate and adjust. What can I do? Uh, to help her feel better? What what part is, is something that is actually in your control and that to use your strength for that? What gives you the ability, the motivation, the energy to do that? Well, there's a, there's a couple of things, a couple of things for me. But one of them is you mentioned energy. And I've become much more efficient with my energy, with work, with my relationships um, and what I find is in, if I get involved in a situation where I can't do anything about it and I'm pouring my energy into a hopeless situation I have to adjust and I gotta take that I have to preserve my energy and when I reevaluate and I take a look what's going on I can put my energy into things that I can do something about and I can seek answers I can look for other resources and uh, ways to help um, that will be beneficial. So that takes that takes a, a shifting of energy. Am I able to do it? Yeah. And I've, I've always been able to, to be honest with you. I've always been that kind of person anyway. As my old friends say, you are a survivor. You always have been a survivor. And you're going to come out of this okay. I know because of my past experiences, they're right. 
that I'm not somebody that's never gone through rough times before. I've had plenty of traumatic things in my life. So I know that I've survived it and I've come out for the better each time. And the other part of it, I am a spiritual man. I do believe in God and I do believe God is giving me the strength um, to go on. And he's taken me far beyond my own limitations. And I rely on him and depend on him to, give, to bring me through. When I'm weak, that's when his strength comes into its own. It's biblical and it's also true. And I can attest to it because I'm living it. Yeah. Let's stop there because that's the bottom line. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. In our last segment, uh, Peter was talking about uh, finding, our, our theme is finding hope. Um, it was about the value, importance of acceptance in the process of, of going through hardship and difficulty. Um, and the drawback it can be to be a strong person if that strength means that you can't adjust and reevaluate and find new ways to be effective to help someone that you love, as Peter has helped Lynn. What can he do to accept what he can do and let go of the things he can't, to use his strength and his energy efficiently to do the things that he can get done? Um, I want to ask you about that, too. Um, mm -hmm. I think one big energy drain, uh, aside from trying to do what can't be done, mm -hmm. is to fight that, that losing battle of self-blame rather than taking responsibility. Oh, okay, you jumped into that one. Okay. Okay, that's really important. Um, wow, that's a good one. Because self-blame is a huge energy drain to it's me. It's not only an energy drain, it's a, it's a self-indulgence. It's a really, um, it's, it's a pattern that usually comes from old trauma. And it's an easy thing to fall back into that when the emotions are running high. But when a person's using that as a constant way to fall into their old patterns, they never take responsibility. They only beat themselves up. They feel guilty, they feel repentant, they feel remorseful, they feel like they're terrible people. It's an energy drain. It's also a way not to face reality. I'll tell you that right now. It's a way to hide out in old patterns. So blame yourself. You know, hold your, your, you were a terrible person once. You did terrible things and you made mistakes. And, and maybe this person that you love who is now suffering, you you never appreciated them. You never took care of them the way you should have. You can, you're just not ever going to be able to do what needs to be done, and you'll fail them, and you'll hear all these messages. Well, in, in dealing with the, the situations that we are, and many people are, there, it, it's not an exact science, and you can't always hit it right. And even if you hit it right one time, the next time the same thing comes up, it doesn't work anymore. 
um, while we're in the midst of hardship, it's not always easy to be our best selves, right? Well, yeah, we have talked about right? that, And yes. under stress, we can revert or find ourselves reverting back to old defenses and even childhood behaviors. Um, we, this is where we got to become aware of, um, of what's happening, and we need to self-correct. Uh, it's really important. It's too easy to fall into that trap of self-recriminations and blaming ourselves, particularly when the situations are so out of our control and so overwhelming, so painful to watch loved ones um, deteriorate, uh, to take care of others that are uh, deteriorating. It's, it's a heartbreaking thing. And it's easy for us to eventually become emotionally exhausted. It's easy for us to be stripped. And as caregivers, uh, and what happens is it just brings us down to who we really are, but it also, the, the and that can't, that's not always a bad thing. No. Because we become a bit more genuine and authentic and real through it, which I, lo I love that quality. But the other part is it can bring up old reactions and old responses and old self-recriminations and feeling worthless and that you weren't able to do enough and I wish I could do more. That's me. That's what I'd say. That's my part, but I've heard many variations. Um, and it's nice every once in a while to have some people around to remind you. <clears throat> I have people, friends at hospice, and they say no one has ever done as much. You're doing as much as you can and more. And I've heard that from lots of people. Now, my inner dialogue is, I wish I could do more. I wish I could find some way to make Lynn more comfortable, um, to help her through this a little bit, um, to do more. And there are things that I can do things about and help her, and there's other things. There's nothing I can do. And I have to accept that, that she's fading away. You know, we're dealing with end-of-life issues. And that breaks my heart because I love her and I don't want to let go. But part of me knows I have to. And... I still, she's still with me, and there's still parts of her that I want to take care of and love. I want her to feel loved and safe and protected and nurtured. I want that for her. So I'm always on my toes trying to, you know, when the situation comes up that we can't do anything about anymore, there'll be other situations that we can do something about. So I'm always reevaluating. Um, if we're talking about the thing that you're talking about, which is self-recriminations and beginning to feel guilty and repentant and da -da -da, self-indulgent it really is that falls under the category of why me why does this have to happen to me and it's a sense of self-pity and it is self-indulgent for sure because that's that just doesn't do anything that really has nothing to do with taking responsibility or being in the present whatsoever it's a way of escaping the present it's a way of escaping taking responsibility. Um, so, you know, it's important for us to examine our attitudes and to reevaluate ourselves and to become more f mindful of ourselves so we can shift out of self-pity and self-condemnation and self-judgment. Those are things that are, like, it's all relating to self. It's not relating to helping the other person. It's just about yourself all the time. So that's not okay. And this is a wonderful experience in some ways to finding what is the meaning and purpose of going through all this? What is this all about? What good could come out of this? One yeah. thing, yeah, along those lines, I, I want to slow you down, but just that you're, you're pointing out that, that what you have come to is feeling that the most important thing is that Lynn feels safe, loved, and nurtured. Yes. 
And there are things you can't change for her, but no. those are things you can do something about. Well, those are some of the things I can. Uh, but even that changes. You know, when we're able to do something like a week later, things have changed and we can't anymore. So uh, it's a pretty fast-moving roller coaster ride. But you were just starting to say that you were you can find purpose in in these difficult times. That's one of the places you want to get to with your attitude to not be self-directed but to find a purpose and a meaning and a gift to this person, to someone else. And your purpose with Lynn, I think, is that she stay feeling safe, loved, and nurtured, whatever form that takes. That's, that's true. And that has been your goal through your life with her. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's just, just shifting into a different set part of that. That's true, too. Is there a question to this? What's the question? The question is, how do you stay with that? We were talking about not falling into attitudes of self-indulgence or blame. How do we truly take responsibility and stay with what matters most? Well, the first point, you got to re-examine, you got to examine, know yourself. And you got to know, if you have a tendency to do that, um, you got to know how to self-correct. And that's the first step in taking responsibility, is knowing, oh, here comes, my emotions are running high, here comes my old patterns, and it has nothing to do with what's going on right now. Once you begin to realize that, you can shift it to something much more constructive and relevant for the present. One thing in dealing with, with current crises and difficulties, so we're not so overwhelmed all the time, is you can only do it, you can only take one step at a time. You know, only one day at a time. Otherwise, it's too overwhelming. So it's rever it's adjusting to the situations that you're confronted with in your life, uh, looking at yourself and knowing how you can, what you can do to make co positive contributions, and also the tendencies you have to either take yourself down or criticize yourself or beat yourself up or escape into self-recriminations. Um, to me... There, there is an escapism to that and a, a narcissism about that and I've seen plenty of people do it and all of a sudden they're just beating themselves up at how terrible they are and yet this situation that's facing them in the present they're not even relating to it at all and if there's things that can be done or there's needs to be met or things to be learned or engaged with they don't do it they're, they're too into themselves and they're beating themselves up but in the meantime the situation is just out there not being addressed at all. It's a it's a form of neglect. And if you look at it, and you got situations in the present that need some work, um, things to do, and they're not doing any of it. They're just into themselves. That, to me, isn't taking responsibility. That's another part of a, a subheading of why me, poor me. How, why is this happening to me? Uh, instead of also realizing that it's not just you. Lots of people go through this. In fact, everybody is going to face this part of life eventually. So when you go through it, it's too easy to believe that it's, you're the only one. Well, you're not. And that's the other thing you got to face. And there's plenty of people out there that are really struggling and suffering. And it's, it's, There's a lot of hardship. There's a lot of difficulties in this particular part of life. I also, I have personally found... It's truly a privilege to be part of this part of life because I have met so many fine people and there's so much authenticity 
and genuineness and humanity. And we've all been, everybody's stripped to what really matters. So it's nice to, and the support is so genuine and real from people who've been there. And in fact, they're the only ones that truly understand. Because um, they know it, it's not from the book. It's from experience. And they do, and you know it in a minute when they talk to you. They know, they've been there. And they don't come judgmentally. They don't come condemningly. They they come in a, a deeper understanding. It's this unselfish, selfless, giving human interaction. It's really sweet. I have a lot of that. I consider this time in my life to it's a privilege to meet so many fine people, and to know so much love and caring and generosity. Yeah. We have maybe about a minute before we need to wrap up. Really? Really? Wow. Again, it has flown by. You mentioned to me there was. I think. Did you say there was something you wanted to read at yes. the end? Yes. Right, wanted to give you. you time to do that. Well, we are going to do this as a series. Cause yes, and we will continue with this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which part did I read? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to just read this. And this did. I did see this on Facebook. I love it. And it says, "What's broken can be mended. What hurts can be healed. And no matter how dark it gets." The sun is going to rise again. That's hope. Yes. And I love it. It's very touching. So we're not pie in the sky hope. No. We're talking about what it takes to get through these tough times and how important it is to the discovery process, um, the selflessness, and finding that there is going to be another day. We have to remember that. And that when we forget it, we need to have supportive, loving people around us who will remind us that this isn't the end. There's going to be another day. That is an aspect that we're going to cover in a lot a lot more next time. Yep. It's so essential, and we didn't get to it today, so we will continue. Mm -hmm. The Survivor's Guide to Life is made possible through a grant from Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 public charity that relies entirely on donations from listeners like you. If our podcast and the information we provide benefits you or someone you care about, please think about giving to Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment. Uh, donations are tax deductible. Our website is www.sctraumatreatment.org. Uh, please also, if we've been a benefit, like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. If you have any questions, uh, we can be reached at 707-781-3335. Uh, on behalf of Dr. Bernstein, Peter, and myself, thank you for listening. And please join us again. We're going to continue in what we hope will be a real gift to you. Can I say something? Hope. I want to say hello and send my best to all my old friends from New Jersey and Union and Newark. And uh, just say hi and thank you for being so good to me.